0: Hello and welcome to the official podcast for the Australian Podiatry Association. This is where we talk about issues that affect podiatrists and their patients as well as a a range of broader issues. I'm Siobhan Doran and I edit Stride Magazine for the members of the association and I'll be your host for today. Today, we're talking about difficult conversations. So I want you to think of a conversation that perhaps you've been putting off. Have you got it? I hope so, because I can't hear anyone. Great. Now, let's keep this conversation in mind during our upcoming chat with Jack O'Brien, who believes that all things work together for good. So I'm on board with that kind of theory. Um, Jack's here to chat to us about difficult conversations um, and to give you some of his experience. He's a physio and a qualified personal trainer, and he also coaches health professionals on a range of clinic-related issues through a group called Clinic Mastery. He runs his own physio practice, Terrace Physio Plus in Newcastle. And I understand that Jack's currently studying his master's in public health at the University of Newcastle. And in his spare time, he's a certified functional movement specialist. That is full on. Jack, have I covered everything? Because I'm exhausted just sharing that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me, Siobhan. I think you've covered everything for today.
0: <laughs> oh, God, thank you. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm impressed by how you clearly choose to spend your time. There's a lot of passion there. You don't do all of those things unless you have that passion. So I'd love Correct. to learn more in a while. Yeah. Um, so maybe, Jack, I, I want to know why you're so passionate about imparting, I guess, some wisdom when it comes to the concept of difficult conversations. Um, let's, Shall we just, first of all, dive in there? And then, uh, and then we can kind of take things from there. But I'd really love to know, before, um, before anything else, why are you so passionate about this issue? Yeah, look,
1: Siobhan, I think as a health professional, we get into this game because we want to help people. Overwhelmingly, that's why we do what we do. And throughout my journey, I've just found out that, you know, with my two hands, I can help so many people. But if I'm able yeah. to lead and have quality conversations with with my team, with other practitioners, that we're able to help, you know, infinitely more. Uh, an infant more number of people. And so therefore I love what we can do through healthy relationships, through robust conversations and the impact that we can have
0: through Mm. that. Mm. So you don't, it's interesting your choice of wording because you don't see them as uh, confrontational or difficult. You are using words such as healthy and robust. Is that by a conscious decision on your part to turn, turn the table, so to speak?
1: Yeah, absolutely. On a, on a really simple level, a difficult conversation, it, it instantly makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable and it makes me nervous and who knows what's going to happen a a robust conversation a healthy conversation a productive conversation is going to lead towards uh, a desirable outcome and so uh, we're going to dive into it a whole lot more but absolutely framing mm-hmm. up our mindset and how we approach these types of situations in the workplace in the clinic is uh, is absolutely critical
0: mm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I forgot my manners, Jack. How are you? I kind of dived into question one with full excitement. But um, how are you today? How are you going?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm well, thank you. I'm absolutely super. Yeah, the sun is shining. It's a fresh yeah. winter's day and uh, things are crazy. It's, it's coronavirus for those who are listening, perhaps mm-hmm. a little bit delayed. We're in the thick of it. But uh, so things are crazy, yeah. but I'm well.
0: Oh, good. Well, I'm glad to hear it. So we're in a good headspace to have a conversation about difficult conversations. Which is good. Um, okay, let's start with the inkling or the intuition any of us get and we think, oh, I think I've got to have a conversation with someone and we know it's going to be difficult. Why should we pay attention to this? Because I guess the default is to want to ignore that feeling. We don't want to confront people. What, why should we override that feeling to actually step in and make that uh, conversation happen?
1: Well, it's interesting we often have that feeling, yeah, that it's going to be Mm. difficult or it's going to be uncomfortable and awkward. And I wonder sometimes if if that premonition comes from uh, maybe unfounded fears or perceived outcomes that might happen rather than grounding ourselves in in a reality. Um, And it's often a case, I think, Siobhan, of of a lack of prior planning or or a lack of... um, Of framing up and and what we call vanguarding a situation and if you haven't done the work to set the scene and create a healthy environment and a functional team then conversations can be awkward and can be difficult and hard to resolve Mm. if you've done the work before they end up a little bit easier
0: yeah absolutely because i was thinking actually what kind of headspace you'd recommend someone's in before that conversation takes place but I'd love you to touch on that, but I'm also hearing from you. It doesn't just happen. You can't just kind of think of unicorns and love hearts and positivity and have a good conversation. You've got to plan and prepare for it. Is that right?
1: Yeah, you absolutely do. It's, uh, it's our job. If I speak for, uh, for clinic owners, it's our job to create environments where our people flourish, Uh, And and so Mm -hmm. there's a few fundamental beliefs that we need to have in order to make that a reality. We need to believe that our team are here because they want to be here and they want to do great work. And they're on board with uh, the vision values and culture of your clinic. And so if you can come from that perspective and that mindset, it means that when you're when you might have to have a difficult conversation, you know, the intentions of the person on the other side. And so I think that 's really critical. creating a framework of healthy functional teams means that robust discussion can come and, and even robust conflict conflict isn 't bad. We actually need mm. you know iron to sharpen iron and, and a little bit of friction mm. so that we get to the outcomes that we need It, it very rarely happens smoothly and seamlessly uh, so so yeah. robust, difficult conversations have to happen. We may need to make sure that's done in a framework of healthy functional teams.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And let's go there. Let's talk about this framework because I imagine as a listener, we all, we all on some cognitive level understand the challenge of a difficult conversation, but also the need to have it. And we do understand we need to plan, but the big missing link I imagine is this framework that you speak of, this preparation. What does that look like in terms of its nuts and bolts core, if you can even go there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So having a clinic that's led and guided by values, I would suggest is a really Mm -hmm. important piece that um, your team share a common set of core values that everyone is singing from the same song sheet, if you will. So that's really Mm -hmm. critical. Um, A couple of other things that are critical is, is a regular rhythm of meetings. What often happens is a situation arises that needs to be addressed in a clinic situation and the clinic owner calls a meeting, right? And it's, it's ad hoc, Mm. it's ad lib and instantly Mm. the walls go up in defense. Whereas if we know that there's a regular rhythm of check-ins of meetings, um, there's always going to be time and opportunity for issues to arise and to be discussed through. So, so having, Mm. uh, having, aligned core values having a regular rhythm of meetings and making sure that you're proactively building vulnerability and trust in your team before the yeah. proverbial hits the fan <laughs> and so mm, uh, yeah. th- that yeah. we're founded on, on a foundation of vulnerability based trust where people are comfortable being vulnerable comfortable opening up comfortable being challenged and and receiving uh, handed feedback it's going to be a feedback friendly yes. culture so there are a few of the yeah. foundations that you, you want to be building so that when the difficult conversation has to happen it's done uh, done on the solid foundation
0: yeah i really like that way of thinking because it's not so much and i wasn't sure coming into this conversation where we'd head but it's not so much like okay i have to have a difficult conversation this is a framework i plan the conversation around and this is how i execute it's about sowing the seeds eh, over the long term and what you're saying is the whole culture and the values of any organisation or entity needs to be ready for that conversation and supportive of it so it's not this one-off threatening moment
1: Um, yeah absolutely I like that yeah you know maybe what we've spoken about so far is helping people prepare for those difficult conversations in three six 12 Mm. months time now of course we're going to dig into a little bit of how to have those conversations Mm. and and you might need to have one this week or or next week we're going to help yeah equip you for that but ideally we want to be working now for the long term as well not just putting out spot fires yeah exactly that's
0: right it's um it's that kind of short-term pain for long-term gain uh, in a way because, and it isn't painful. It's actually really positive what you're talking about, implementing these values yeah. and building that um, vulnerability. <laughs> are there any practical examples before we move on to a short-term framework to execute next week for that terrible conversation we're dreading? Are there any, um, are there any uh, I guess, practical uh, ways you can build in that vulnerability amongst the team? Because we hear the word vulnerable and a lot of us would just, shy away from that but you're you're saying embed that into the culture how yeah. do you come in having a group hug what, is, what does it look like in practice
1: yeah it doesn't necessarily have to be sitting around the campfire and singing kumbaya not yes. at all although
0: i do like we, that I'm, um, you know there's I'm a, a time <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely
0: yeah
1: what we want to be thinking about is uh regular culture days or we call them alignment days quarterly catch-ups mm. quarterly cuddles what, pick your language but ideally a couple of times a year three to four times a year it would be setting aside time and prioritizing the proactive health of your clinic um Mm -hmm. i wonder sometimes if clinic owners think i need to grow and it's it's a catch cry of mine to to grow your clinic but if we focus on growth sometimes it's hard to come Mm -hmm. by however we know that if we focus on health healthy things grow So prioritize that time. You know, we would suggest uh, maybe half a day or even a full day. Shut the clinic down for a day, pay your team and invest in the culture. It would be articulating those common shared values, doing some team building exercises, watching personal development, TED talks, getting in external speakers to to help your team think through being empathetic and uh, sharing gratitude, really building into the culture of your team proactively and and it would be doing those trust-based activities it would be having some radical candor sessions it would be Mm. working through some conflict so that we come out more committed to one another out the other end
0: yeah definitely i think radical candor sessions that sounds awesome what what does that entail have you done that yourself or is that
1: yeah, so Radical Candidate, the book by a lady named Kim Scott Malone, fantastic book, and her okay. TED talk is, is absolutely brilliant. And uh, mm. she talks about we as leaders, we need to balance this tension of caring personally and caring for the individual, but also being able to challenge directly. And oftentimes, you can probably picture the leader who challenges directly but doesn't care. Mm. Or perhaps, yeah. and usually, healthcare professionals will end up on the other end of the spectrum. That we care so much that we put our head in the sand and brush it under the carpet.
0: Yeah. And
1: so, a radical candour yeah. session would, uh, yeah, would involve being able to challenge people and um, and help them see their opportunities to improve, but also mm. caring and, and pointing out the the strengths that people bring to the team. And so it's a, it's a round the room exercise. What's your biggest strength that you bring to the team and what's your biggest opportunity to improve the team and, uh, yeah. and being brutally honest can be a whole lot of fun actually. Can be really, really. Yeah.
0: Fun. yeah, quite empowering. I think we've, we've touched on the point here, which is fear. I think behind any difficult conversation is fear, whether it's warranted or not, but by investing in the culture, which is obviously what you're suggesting, you mitigate that fear because you know your employer, for example, values you. So if you are going to have a difficult conversation, you don't need to catastrophize necessarily. Um, so, right. yeah. It, it,
1: that values-based stuff, that creates, it creates certainty, yeah? And fear mm. often comes from uncertainty and going into a conversation yeah. with your boss or your employer, your manager, is fraught with uncertainty. So if we can create that yeah. clarity, it, it puts fear to bed.
0: Yeah. So what's really crystal clear and i'm really happy to hear it is this long-term investment in what uh, we need to do in any kind of workplace culture in order to be able to have those difficult conversations as and when they need to happen but if we now go into the short term and we think of the person who may have at the start of this podcast thought about that conversation next week they've got to have that they're putting off what are some short-term strategies or even best practice tips that you can implement next week to have a difficult conversation with someone
1: Oh, so many places to start, Siobhan. I think yeah. making sure that both parties or whoever's involved in a in a challenging conversation has enough time to prepare. I'm sure we've all been there at some stage or another where we're called into a meeting blindly and there's nothing worse. It, it, what it does instantly is it means your walls are up, you, you're... You haven't got any information. You're not able to have a robust discussion when someone is coming into a conversation blindly. So making sure that the objective and the request is really clear. I want to have a meeting with you about X so that we can Mm -hmm. Y and making Mm -hmm. sure that's really clear with enough notice with, you know, ideally at least 48 hours notice so that the other person has time Mm -hmm. to prepare.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, um, yeah. As you say, it takes down the defenses, which takes the emotion potentially out of the conversation, which helps support clarity. I mean, it's logic, but not when you're in the situation necessarily. Do you feel that logic?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, so that's, that's a good tip. Are there any other tips? or maybe we could even role play this to bring out some tips, but I'm thinking if you and I, for example, have to have a difficult conversation next week, you're my boss. And maybe I'm, I don't know, I'm on reception and I'm, listening to TED Talks on my earphones all day and not answering the phone. Um, okay. <laughs> bearing in mind what you've just said, which is giving that 48-hour notice and the clarity around the framework of what the conversation's about. How might you approach this difficult conversation as my boss? What steps are you going to take? And then we can even role play. This will be fun well, if you're up to right. it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Nothing like being put on the spot. <laughs> no, I didn't know. Yeah, this coming. totally. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: so I, don't know. I, what... I could throw some like challenges your way, like you know, oh, game right, and yeah, 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 totally. Get to get into it. Okay, go on. Sorry to interrupt.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay, so what I would say is, Siobhan, I'd love to take you out for coffee uh, in a couple of days' time. It's it's you know it's been a while since we've caught up uh, on a personal level and a work level. So is it okay if we if we duck out during morning tea and grab a coffee uh, later on this week? So I'd, mm-hmm. I'd frame up that reference a couple of days out. It's time to catch up personally. It's time to catch up on a work level um, and then ask the question. So I'm always mindful, Siobhan, of the power positioning in a conversation, yeah? So as, a, mm. as an employer, as a as a boss or a manager, we need to be aware that the the ball is always in our court, that we're always in control. And so it's important to be asking questions. Is it okay if we go out mm. for a coffee and a catch-up? Uh, and that way it's not me saying you must
0: mm, yeah
1: but we're collaborating yeah. together yeah so yeah. that's really important that we that we're asking questions um and then what i would say is the the first at least quarter of that meeting so if you've got an hour for 15 minutes spend some time asking how they're going and and really how they're going on a personal level now again mm. this is on the assumption that you have a safe workplace to be able to have these conversations. But how yep. is home? Room? How are the kids? What's hubby's work like? You know, how mm-hmm. are you going with the isolation and daycare and ask the questions around how they're traveling personally. It, it's genuinely <laughs> mm-hmm. caring. This isn't just a means to an end. So I can, you know, drop the hammer cause you're not working properly. It's cause I yeah. genuinely care about you as a human before I care about you as, before I care about your performance as an employee, mm-hmm. so yep. spend time really caring. I would then spend a couple of minutes setting up the conversation, and um, we call it vanguarding in in military senses. the vanguard would go ahead and mm. prepare the battlefield for battle. Now, this isn't a battle by any stretch, but we're we're trying to prepare yeah. and cultivate the the environment, and and, and you might say things like. Hey, Siobhan, we, we've got to, we've got to touch on a few um, a few topics here over the next few minutes, and I and I realise it's probably going to be a little bit awkward for both of us. Um, mm-hmm. Is that okay if we just like? It's a bit tricky for me. It's going to be a bit tricky for you. Is it okay if we just go there for a little while? Because I, I want to get through mm-hmm. this together. I want to work on an outcome and a solution. Is that all right? And so you're calling mm-hmm. out the fact that it's awkward for them. It's a bit awkward for you, and this is going to be okay because at the end of the day, we're after. Mm-hmm after a solution um yeah. ideally the can next- I next
0: sorry I, yeah. actually you keep going because i've got a billion questions but i'm saving mine up so this is really interesting keep going sorry
1: <laughs> so, so ideally <laughs> then we can fall back on things that we've built in the past we can fall back on maybe a conversation that we had at our last catch-up we can fall back on our core values we can fall back even on things like um, job descriptions and uh, position descriptions, roles and responsibilities. So we can say, you know, Hey, Siobhan, remember last time uh, we talked about the opportunities for you to excel and exceed in the work that you do. And you would say, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And we spoke about how, you know, your productivity and efficiency, you, you can be really good, you know, three or four days out of a week, but where the opportunity lies for you is being productive, you know, five days out of a week or, you know, seven or eight hours a day instead of just five or six. Yeah. Do you remember how we had that conversation? And she would ideally say, or you would ideally say yes. yeah
0: yep. And we would also say, <laughs> hey, no.
1: Yeah, oh, no, I don't remember at all. No, no. I'd also say something like, remember when we first started or even last time when I said you were doing a, a brilliant job and absolutely ripper job? Remember how we said uh, hey siobhan if there's ever anything that's slipping, I'm gonna it would be it would be wrong of me not to call you out. Um, I believe that there's more mm. in you. And so if and when I see an opportunity for you to improve, I'm going to have that conversation because I think that, you know, I think there's more in you. I think you are a high performer. And if I see an opportunity, mm. I'm going to call out. Remember how we spoke about that a couple of months ago? Mm. Uh, and so you're setting this conversation up to go, it's not unexpected. We've spoken about it before. It's going to be awkward, but we're going to get towards the outcomes because this is all about outcomes. Mm-hmm. so you'd spend a few minutes having those types of conversations and questions Siobhan
0: Mm -hmm. interesting I mean like I love your approach because you are assuming that people have had context setting before this conversation so whether it was months or years ago there have been conversations in the past that have set a precedent and you can refer to that now in this difficult moment Um, I guess I'm thinking of the person who may not have had this precedent set in the past Mm -hmm. who may not have taken their um, receptionist or colleague out for a coffee three months ago and like laid out that boundary, that framework. Um, So is that, that stepping stone part of the conversation where you do refer to the past? Do you just omit that if you haven't done that, even though you need to and -hmm. move straight into then another part of the conversation?
1: Yeah, good, really good question. I think it's important for us as leaders to be vulnerable and humble and open about it. And if we've got to this place where we haven't done the groundwork, but we've got to, we've got to address an issue. We'd, we'd say something mm. like, Hey, Siobhan, you know, if we're, if we're really honest, I should have, you know, addressed some of these yeah. things a couple of months ago, or I should have set the scene up and I, we, we, for whatever reason, that but what
0: oh, oh, oh,
1: I have
0: to say, Jack, my dogs back in the podcast, that today you're lucky enough that they've just gone crazy. So there you go, listeners, for your missing pleasure. They completely talked over you. And as am I doing right now, keep going. That's no, no, that's
1: fine. So you would own it and you would apologize and you'd say, look, we should have done that work a couple of months ago. We haven't. But what I want from today mm. is, you know, we've got to talk about a few things, but overwhelmingly you're safe. You know, your job's not in question. I'm not here to berate you and pull you down. I'm here to help find opportunities for us to get better together. And so, you know, when was the best time to plant a tree, you know, a thousand years ago? When's the second best time today? Mm. So let's be really clear today. We're going to talk about some issues, but we're going to get through it and we're going to work through this collaboratively.
0: Yeah. And so as you say, there be solutions which are tangible at the end of the conversation. It's not just a conversation for the sake of it. The, um, exactly. clear, there's clarity around the solutions. It, I love what you're talking about in terms of being vulnerable um, and being prepared to be vulnerable because I do wonder if some podiatrists or anyone listening to this may not be as comfortable, especially in their, if they're in like a leadership role, um, mm-hmm. showing this vulnerability. I, I think of the whole servant leadership concept, which I don't know if you're familiar with, where you know, the leaders of any entity actually are serving the people that they work with uh, just for everyone's sake, for the greater good. Um, my question is, how, what would you say to someone who thinks, no, I can't be vulnerable, I'm in a position of leadership and they'll lose respect for me if I show such vulnerability?
1: Oh, that's a, that's a really good question.
0: And I don't think you and I think, I think maybe there will be some people who still hold on to those um, ideals which are less relevant in business but are still there.
1: Yeah, you're right. There's, there's definitely some, uh, some environments and situations where there is a real hierarchical uh, arrangement. I think if if you genuinely believe in the organization, in the values and the outcomes that you're trying to achieve, uh, it's incumbent on us to own the situation. And, you know, I would say to that Siobhan, if, if you're really strong on the hierarchical values but yet you're still finding you're having to have difficult conversations over and over. Perhaps mm. there's an opportunity to reflect on how that hierarchical mm. environment's working for you. <laughs> and maybe there's an opportunity yeah. to consider a servant leadership, uh, um, a leaders eat last yeah. approach. Yeah. Um, what, and what we yeah. would, I would also suggest is that we know, you know, there's a great book, Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. We know that yep. highly effective people will seek first to understand. they will begin with the end in mind mm. and they'll look for mm. win-win situations. They're three of the seven points. And so, you know, when I say that seek first to understand, begin with the end in mind, look for the win-win to me, mm. that's a really great example of humility of humble leadership. And let's be honest, if you're expecting transparency, humility and vulnerability from your colleague Mm. but you're not willing to give it yourself I'd suggest that that's an unrealistic and unfair expectation to impose on someone else
0: Mm. yeah I couldn't agree more I think it's a really I think what I love about this conversation is that it touches on much deeper concepts as well which is how do you lead and what kind of personal leader are you and you know Maybe there's uh, a bit of updating required in that space if um, if you do hold on to the fact that you can't show vulnerability because ten or twenty years ago this wasn't really a conversation you and I I imagine would even have been having so mm-hmm. I think we've come a long way um, and we need to yeah encourage uh, anyone who feels scared of showing vulnerability um, for them to see the benefits. It's um, tough. Maybe it's we can really talk. Tough to do. Yeah, go on.
1: It is tough to be vulnerable. It's, it feels um, exposing, but generally speaking, if your intentions are pure and you haven't got anything to hide, then what's the point in hiding? It's okay to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and creating safety. Again, we're trying to create certainty and safety for our team to do great work, to live out our values and, and to create impact for the patients that we so genuinely want to care for.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's not a weakness. Vulnerability is not synonymous with being weak. um, Baby stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Brene Brown, are you listening to us? She'd be proud Uh right now (laughs) of this conversation. (laughs) Um, Maybe two more practical areas we can focus on. If you're in this conversation, uh, it's a difficult conversation you're having it, and regardless of all of your efforts and attempts that you've outlined previously, emotions are running high in the person that you're talking to. What quick fire techniques might you suggest to mitigate that and calm down and diffuse the emotions within that situation are there any tricks or tips that come tonight Mm,
1: yeah for sure so we always want to make sure and again as a leader create that safety so we want to talk about behavior but not character traits so we want to we want to challenge behaviors not integrity we want to come from that place where we're assuming people have the best intentions and, and we're assuming they're trying to do the right thing. So in your language that you would use, you'd be really conscious of your tone of your pace of the volume that you're speaking at and your body language. Um, you know, you would, mm. you wouldn't be leaning over the desk with your arms folded and big rough voice. You'd keep a soft voice and open hands. And the types of mm. language you would use is, um, I observed this or what I've noticed is this type of behavior. And then you would Mm. ask a question, can you help me understand? So so what I've noticed, Siobhan, is that occasionally I'll come out and I've seen Facebook up on your monitor. Can you help me Mm. understand what's at play here? And then you would, mm-hmm. you would actually just shut up and listen because <laughs> what's the yeah. chance yeah. that maybe there's just a missing piece of context like Siobhan, I'm not going to use you as an example, but maybe your team members, yeah. auntie just got diagnosed with cancer and she was awaiting the results of a scan that was going to be posted on Facebook, mm. in which case yeah. I'm not angry. I'm actually really empathetic.
0: Um, yeah.
1: So we're making observations and we're asking questions so as not to challenge the integrity of the person but to try and understand the behavioural patterns.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what I love about what you've said, Jack, is the fact that you, as the instigator of the conversation, really do need to come in willing to learn and to have your positioning challenged in a positive way. Um, I think we have a black and white approach to those situations that doesn't serve anyone, does it?
1: No, it doesn't. Usually there's context that, you know, we as leaders are are blissfully unaware of. And I would say that it works the same way. Perhaps you're a podiatrist, you're looking to ask your employer for a raise or a pay rise. Seek Mm. to understand, ask questions. Perhaps your boss is really battling and hasn't taken a wage home for two or three months. And there's a few Mm. things around your performance that you could look at improving that would then warrant a pay rise. We always seek first to yeah. understand, but to, to your point, Siobhan, around when emotions are running high and uh, mm. and there's a bit of tension in the air, it's okay to call that out and to either take a timeout or let's get back yeah. to the like the real issue here. So I might say, Hey, Siobhan, I, I, I just want to stop you there for a second. I, I realise that this mm. might feel a bit confronting or i can see you're getting a little bit anxious a little bit defensive uh, i noticed your voice just raised a little bit um, is it okay if we get back to the the real issue here or is it best that we make another time perhaps later today or tomorrow and so mm. I'm, again i'm not okay. dictating the situation i'm asking you is it okay if we get back to mm. the real issue or we find another time mm. so the the decision yeah, is okay anyway.
0: And what happens if I do say, no, I don't want to get back to the real issue? <laughs> it's a bit obstinate, but what, what do you do? I guess. Yeah, I don't know. And, and that's <laughs> <maybe>. <laughs>
1: so what we'd say really? there is yeah. it, it's a really common situation. So we'd say things like, look, I realize that it's a tough one to tackle, but we can't go around this. We're going to have to go through it as the child's Mm -hmm. nursery rhyme goes. So we're going to have to deal with it at some stage and better that we deal with it now as a molehill than having to deal with it as a mountain down the track. Um, You know, I think we can get over this. I know there's a way through it. I'm I'm pretty confident we're going to be able to find a win-win. Let's let's get it done so that we can move on.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And then I guess thinking again about practical tips you might have, let's say the person who's instigated this conversation is nervous. I mean, they're they're bound to be to some extent. I don't think they're human if they're not, but um, perhaps those nerves are showing they're getting red, their hands are shaking, they're feeling agitated and they're not wanting to be seen that way in this this context. Are there any practical nerve busting tips for for those moments in a difficult conversation that you can share?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, if there's going to be some physical, some outward expressions of those nerves, um, it's okay. Yeah. It, yeah, it's okay to say, Oh, I feel like my neck's starting to go a bit blotchy, or um, mm. oh, is, it, is it, you know, do we need the aircon on in here, or am I just really hot and flustered? <laughs> it, it's okay to yeah. point out the obvious, and better that you point mm. it out than, than your counterpart notice it, but not say anything. So, first of yeah. all, yeah, don't be afraid to mention it in the moment. Uh, Be really conscious of your body language, your body position and your breathing. So we often don't breathe very well when it comes to conflict. Mm. So if you listeners, perhaps you can just rewind 15, 20 seconds as Siobhan asked me a question, I just (sighs) took a deep breath Mm. and made sure I breathed out. We often hyperventilate and retain a whole bunch of uh, carbon dioxide, CO2 for the uh, chemistry nerds out there. And that's going to put us into a a really sympathetic state, a fight or flight state. If we can take a deep breath, relax our posture, open our hands, maybe sit back in our chair rather than lean up on the desk and slow our rate of speech down. It's a really critical Mm. one to slow your speech down. You're going to find that will help to put you back in a little bit more of a relaxed state, a little bit more of a parasympathetic state. And allow you mm. and your counterpart to process your thoughts a little bit easier. And it's okay to maybe take a couple of breaths, collect your thoughts. And if you're really struggling to piece your thoughts together, again, call it out. Oh, Siobhan, I'm yeah. struggling to piece this together, but if I'm just gonna spitball and, and think out loud here for a second, yeah. here's what I'm thinking. And so that way you're yeah. not putting yourself into a corner of this is my firm, unchanging opinion. We're just, we're going to work out the solution collaboratively together
0: yeah yeah again i love what you're saying because i'm sounding quite sycophantic here but what i'm hearing is the humanity behind your advice and i dare say 20 30 years ago a difficult conversation could have been considered to be somewhat strategic and status driven and all of those terms but now what i'm hearing is be honest be vulnerable and um almost disarm someone through genuinely caring about them and knowing you mightn't even have the right answer going into that conversation and being prepared to learn it's a very um equalizing experience
1: it is but it's actually quite strategic to siobhan so a great okay. oh
0: principle. You ruined my little happy happy right. place i was in there jack go on no fair enough oh, absolutely <laughs> so
1: there, there is a There is a strategy to this and one of the great leadership principles, and this isn't just for the leaders working with followers, but perhaps anyone going into a difficult conversation. Again, if if you're the employee talking to your employer, what you want to try and do, your objective has to try and be, rather than get your point across, your objective needs to be to get the other party to come up with the idea that you wanted to come up with in the first place so if i was if i was to put a hypothetical example on that and let's say i'm the podiatrist asking for a pay rise i don't want to walk into a meeting with my boss and say i want a pay rise Hmm. (laughs) maybe what you want to do is head into a meeting and say you know um i'd love it if we could review some of my kpis or what we prefer to call ceis clinical excellence indicators um I feel like I'm doing a really good job getting patient outcomes. I feel like my rebooking rate is great. I've got really low cancellations. And as a result of all that, uh, you know, my billings are actually really good. And perhaps as mm-hmm. a percentage, my, my wages is on the lower end as a percentage. Um, and so mm-hmm. as a, as a podiatrist, I want to learn how to get better boss. Can you help me? Uh, what, what are the ways here that, you know, um, that there's remuneration appropriate, but how can I get better, better as a podiatrist? What's mm. the chances your boss yep. is going to go, oh, that's awesome. I didn't realise you're doing such a good mm-hmm. job. And you're right. Your, your billings are, a, maybe we need to talk about a pay rise. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And so and it the comes boss not with the idea of the pay rise, not you, or, or likewise in the conversation around the receptionist on, uh, on, on Facebook or listening to Ted talks, mm. um, as the boss, I want you as a receptionist to get to a place where you realize, oh, it's actually not productive for me to have multiple tabs open. And I've got yeah. 45 yeah. minutes worth of breaks through my day. That's more than enough time to get my, my personal life and my social media fix in those breaks. You're right. I, I probably don't need to be on social media during work time.
0: Yes. Okay. And that comes back to what you said about referring to a previous conversation, ideally. Um, so the person does come around and say, oh, I do remember that conversation. I do remember we talked about productivity. And actually, yeah, I don't think my social media users do much to support right. that. And it, it
1: leads towards um, that outcomes yeah. and accountability at the end of any difficult conversation. We want to be really clear on what's the outcomes and actions moving forward. And if it is mm. someone's idea to carry out their own action, they're going to be far more likely to actually make it happen and stay accountable to it. You know, if I said to you, uh, Siobhan, I I don't want you to be on Facebook or social media during work time, you know, you'll probably do it, do it reluctantly. If you said to me, Hey Jack, what about, I don't use social media during work time. And I just check it through my breaks. Is that okay? If I do that, you're going to be You're going to own that decision and own that action far more than me imposing it or imparting it on you.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's so much more empowering for everyone anyway, but um, it doesn't happen what I'm hearing by accident. Hmm.
1: It's very deliberate.
0: Um, Yeah, I I, I was going to ask you, and I think you've answered this now, but um, the idea of diffusing any lingering tension that may happen after the conversation, you see the person by the water cooler or you have a meeting with them about the issue that was obviously a bit, Heated previously, how, um, how do you go back to day-to-day business with that person and get on uh, in a way so you're not held back by any tension? But uh-huh. before you answer, what I'm hearing is that you are practical with your outcomes of that conversation and by being so practical and having the solutions, there's no real room for emotional uncertainty um, which could impede relations outside of that conversation. I don't know if you've got something to add to that.
1: Yeah, you've taken the words right out of my mouth, Siobhan. So
0: (laughs) as we finish the
1: difficult conversation, we want to be really clear on what happens moving forward. And so, yes, we want to be clear on, you know, actions and accountability that comes with that. But, you know, as a leader, I would, again, in the interest of vulnerability, I would say, hey, Siobhan, this is probably as we walk out of here, we might get a few funny Mm. looks in the hallway or it might be a little bit awkward for, you know, you and I over the next couple of days. Um, Is it okay if we just agree now to try and bypass that awkwardness and and know that we're both Mm. on the same page here. We're both on the same team. And uh, you know, if if there is any difficult conversations that we need to have in the future, that we can address that, you know, at our regular coffee next fortnight. And so we're, we're being really clear as we finish up a conversation, as we finish up a meeting, what happens next so there's again there's no uncertainty or we're trying to create safety and certainty moving forward
0: Mm, yeah absolutely have you got any other um thoughts to add before i'd love us to almost wrap up on the top five tips that you you know really come out of this uh, conversation for podiatrists to take on in their own lives but before we go there have you got any other thoughts on this issue that you'd like to clarify or add
1: yeah i think the win-win is a really big one to major on. So uh, it's not uncommon to get into a situation where it feels like we're a bit of an impasse or a stalemate. And so the, the intention has to always be what is the win win? Cause if it's win lose and I do better out of this, but you don't or vice versa, that's not a great outcome. And so you're yeah, always yeah. looking for the win win and seeking, seeking to learn, seeking to understand is really key and it's okay to not know. It's okay to not know the answers mm. and to, to flesh that out together. So I'd absolutely suggest mm. that seeking to understand and find yeah. the opinion is really critical as you enter into difficult conversations.
0: Yes, and then because I was thinking, a 1% cynical part of me was thinking, even though you can have all these wonderful uh, tools at your disposal and the conversation is framed around them, you may still just get that person who's quite belligerent and doesn't want to come to the party but I guess that's where the win-win aspect can help get them over the line um, that little bit further.
1: Yeah, two other things that uh, spring to mind here, Siobhan, would be the timeliness mm. of critical feedback, and the timeliness of, mm-hmm. of robust discussions. We don't want to let time pass where possible. We want to nip things in the bud and address them um, as as instantaneously as possible, um, mm-hmm. because first of all, the rest of the team are watching. And if you let, you know, if you let negative behaviors slip through, that's teaching the rest of the team what behavior is okay and what behavior is not. So ideally we want to have timely conversations. You want to have Mm -hmm. evidence-based conversations. And I know that'll resonate with health professionals. We don't necessarily want Mm -hmm. to be talking about feelings and impressions. Now they matter, But like we touched on, we want to talk about behaviours and actual examples. So maybe you need to come and bring those examples and be prepared. And then finally, accountability and follow-up really matter. So if you have a conversation, there's clear outcomes, clear changes in action that needs to happen and you don't follow through. You're setting yourself up for failure on and on. We're setting examples, we're setting precedents. And so make sure you're you're a person of your word. What you said you were going to do, you do. And when you say you're going to hold someone else accountable, we do that. Because what it means is that when there's then trends of ongoing poor performance or negative behavior, we haven't let it slide. We've addressed it, Mm -hmm. we've been vulnerable, collaborative. And if it gets to the point where this is a repeating habit or repeating trend, we might need to have um, some potential conversations around the suitability of our ongoing relationship.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot to take in, but it's logic as well, which is what I'm liking. I I can hear a lot of logic in what you're saying. It just, we require the time to sit down and see it from this perspective, not dive straight into that conversation without um, having this thoughtful approach. Um, I guess, Uh, off the top of my head, I'm thinking there's a lot we've covered today. What about those top five? I know you've gone through points then which were more detailed, but the top five things to remember when you're sat in that chair opposite that person uh, that would help you get through this conversation and actually yield a positive outcome. Mm -hmm. top five tips that you'd like to summarise for us all.
1: Yeah, yeah. So firstly, ask permission. Always seek to ask. Number two, call out and vanguard what's about to happen let's be really clear on the agenda and what's about to happen and that might include uh, awkward moments it might include some uh, nerves or anxiety reactions but call them out what's going to happen you then make sure you set the scene really strongly we're going to get outcomes here we're on the same page this is a values discussion and we're going to find the win-win Number three, I would suggest that you want to seek to understand. So make observations and ask questions. Get really really like Seek to understand, get the context and know that you probably don't have the full picture yet. Mm -hmm. Number four, find collaborative actions, collaborative resolutions. Get the other person to suggest what you wanted to suggest. Make sure those suggestions are collaborative and really clear. And finally, be uh, be really strong on your follow-through and accountability. Um, don't let mm-hmm. yourself be a pushover because it sets examples for the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is, I really personally enjoyed this conversation, Jack, so thank you. Thanks for um, bringing all of this to the conversation because I think we rely on instinct, but actually the, more than instinct is required, I think, in such a situation and it's good to have your wisdom here to help guide people through i've enjoyed today thank
1: you no it's been an honor thank you for for Um, having me conversations are a skill that can be learned so you might feel like you're good at it or terrible at it but it is a skill and you can learn and you can get better
0: yep absolutely that's right there's hope for us all um and if you're a podiatrist who's looking for further coaching perhaps about an upcoming difficult conversation you can reach jack and your colleagues jack am i correct in saying this at clinic mastery and the website is clinicmastery.com. is that correct
1: that is correct no.au so team of health professionals that uh, help clinic owners to grow their clinics
0: Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks for sharing uh, even a small piece of that uh, advice. I think it's been really useful today. Uh, And in the meantime, listeners, don't forget to thank you. Check out our website. Uh, You know the website by now, I'm sure, but it's podiatry.org.au for a range of ongoing updates that affect podiatrists. And of course, our social media feeds are always active at facebook.com forward slash Australian Podiatry Association or Twitter, which is poder underscore national. Thank you, Jack. It's been wonderful. Um have a lovely rest of your day, what's left of it. And till next time everyone, stay safe and take care.